Welcome to the Mosh Zone episode 169, week 169, volume 169, number fucking 169. Hang on guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Dan of End of Destiny and also of Discography Discussion and that will be coming up later in the show. Kick off with a bit of feedback, a bit of questions and a bit of what's been going on. Thank you to everyone that reached out and sent some albums or EPs that they want considered and recommended for album of the month for July. Some of them I haven't even heard yet, so going to definitely have to deep dive and put them into consideration. As always, thank you to everyone that's listening, thank you to everyone that's sharing and thank you to everyone that's supporting the show. Enough of the ramblings, enough of the jibber-jabber, let's get into the main part of the show. This week I got to sit down with Dan of End of Destiny and Discography Discussion. The first thing I got to say, thank you so very, very, very much dude for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So for those unaware and those uneducated who are End of Destiny, While they are a Christian, kind of post-hardcore, metalcore band that formed around 2005, they released a demo and an album, and they broke up around 2006-2007. But that's not all that Dan does. As you might have heard and you would have noticed, I also mentioned Discography Discussion. So what is Discography Discussion? It is a fucking slamming podcast that I love and I highly, highly recommend. To put it simply, it is a deep dive into a band's catalogue and discography, and a couple of dudes discuss it, and it's entertaining, enthralling, and so fucking amazing. You know, for me, as a podcaster, I do listen to other podcasts, and before I even started The Mosh Zone, I was a fan of discography discussion, and I still am a fan today. I love everything Dan and Joe do. It's in-depth, it's fun, it's educational, it's thought-provoking. It's everything you want from a podcast of its type. Over the last few months, Dan and I have been in talks and we have become good, close friends. So to get Dan on the show to discuss everything about End of Destiny, everything about discography discussion and everything in between meant a lot for me and the show. I thoroughly enjoyed this chat. I hope you do too. That chat with Dan is coming up now. So everyone gets the same start-off question, and it's usually something along the lines of the same thing. Now, when I speak about this, I don't mean a heavy band. I just mean a band that opened your world to music being in existence. So for me, the age of five, it was Aerosmith. I don't know why, but Aerosmith was my thing. Was there a band for you growing up that exposed you to music being a thing? So it's a really good question because for me, I was thinking about this earlier today because I knew you were going to ask me this. <laughs> and because um, I know, you know, I've I've gone back and forth. So like, you know, I, I grew up religious um, and so we didn't have a lot of rock music so whenever i start talking about like oh this band that i got into or this band got me into music as a thing probably didn't come until a little bit later in life Mm -hmm. 
So for me, though, like the more I think about it, um, I had this old cassette tape of uh, Sticks Greatest Hits. Mm. And um, and I actually listened to it on the way home today, just at randomly, actually, just because I was like, oh, man, I still I still love these songs. And uh, I, I just thought, like, man, there's a lot of stuff in here, like a lot of the stuff that I still like in music now, um, heavy use of keyboards uh more so than other bands i've never been like really that into guitar shred i mean i appreciate it you know and i i think it takes a lot of talent it's cool um and it's not like sticks is like a heavy band or a hard band or anything but it got me it, it made me realize that music could be like much bigger mark much larger sounding because they were more of like an arena band mm. um and so their their records sound their song sounded huge like like in an amphitheater and there were so many different sounds going on and as a kid that grew up in church i wasn't used to that you know i wasn't you know i was used to just like people singing you know we maybe had like a guitar on stage or or something like that but you know no no distortion pedals uh no keyboards and so um that that kind of musicality and that focus on like a distorted guitar like i didn't know what a, a distorted guitar sounded like so i all of that was just like really, really, really cool to me. So, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, kind of a church background in a church household and music, obviously, as you're mentioning, is a bit of a foreign concept outside of Psalms and, you know, church songs, you know, being as polite about the phrase as possible. So how was music perceived to you from your family and your network around you at an early age? Was it deemed as something that you just avoid or was it known about, but we didn't talk about it? Well, so there's a couple of different sides to that. At a young age, it was, you know, all that popular music, that rock music or even rap music and stuff. Um, it's like the late eight or late late 80s early 90s mm. so uh all this rap and hip-hop you know that's all of the devil and the the uh rock music is definitely of the devil um all this stuff is, is of the devil and so unless any any even even like christian rock bands because like there'd be people that would join the church that would be like oh you should check out these christian rock bands that are that are cool and um uh, and i'd hear those bands i'd be like oh wow yeah this is really cool and then it was like no that's also Evil. <laughs> you know that's wow. also you know devilish uh and so that that's how it was presented i mean we we did have music in the church though so like i remember me and my me and my big brother used to like we would go up on stage as little kids and sing church songs out of the out of the uh church you know out of, out of whatever the uh we had a book that had like all the songs that we sang i don't know if we ever deviated away from those songs <laughs> or not uh, but, uh, yeah, we had, uh, and that was a lot of fun. So like we, we were into music and there are certain, there are certain things about religious music too, that, that can really grab you. Um, there's a lot of passion. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of passionate singing. I mean, the, the, a lot of people that go to church are people that, you know, um, maybe they've come from like a drug addicted past or, or they, they've really changed their life around, you know, it's, it's easy to, it's easy to slam on church and churches, you know, there's a lot, they're an easy target for that. Mm. But um, there's a lot of people that maybe really turn their life around going to church. And so they were really thankful for that. And so you would get really passionate singers, uh, vocalists, um, you get people that really, really, you know, would talk about these life changing experience. And so 
I don't, I don't, I try not to look at my church years as like something that's super, super negative because mm. there were negative aspects of it. Um, and you know, I didn't get to do the things that other kids got to do. You know, I didn't get to listen to Aerosmith or, <laughs> you know, or sticks, at least not when my parents were around, you know? And so like, I think, I think that's really what got me into music from a passion standpoint, because like, mm -hmm. I still love passion in music. One of the things that I hate the most when I listen to a band is if I'm listening to you sing it and you don't sound like you mean it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And I got, I think that a lot of that goes back to those church days, you know, that remembering people that like, they really, really, really meant it, whether you, you know, whether you agree with the message of it or not, they, they, they felt something, you know, they felt compelled. And, and so I was always, uh, I was always really attracted to that. But on the other aspect of, of family, um, my dad, I guess, you, you know, used to be really into like hard rock you know heavy metal music and so you know there was one day i remember we were we were looking through the basement we were doing a basement clean out and my parents have even to this day have like thousands of like uh 45 singles wow um okay. yeah thousands of them every every hit song you can think of from the 60s and 70s you know they've got all of it and i'm still like uh, I've still been meaning to go over there and kind of go through all of them and see, you know, which ones I want to keep or whatever before they get rid of them, you know. Um, and, but my dad had a whole bunch of Johnny Cash records, uh, which I was allowed to listen to uh, a little bit because Johnny Cash is considered by the religious community to be basically all right, mm. you know. Mm. And um, even though if they really listened to the content of some of those songs, I don't <laughs> think they would think that. Um, but he also had Black Sabbath records and he had um, like some Led Zeppelin and uh, some Boston. I really like the Boston record for some reason. I, I don't even really like Boston, but that, that one record um, I really loved. And so, but it was one of those things where my dad was kind of like, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, yes, these records exist. Yes, you can listen to them on occasion, but not like, not like when your mom's around or anything, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so that, that's kind of how I got exposed. You know, I got like, ex uh, you know, kind of infected with this idea of, of, of harder music, um, loud guitars, um, really dynamic over the top singers, you know? Um, and, you know, I remember my mom one time, I think she came in uh, to my room and I was listening to like war pigs or something. And she said something like, Oh, that Ozzy Osbourne, all he does is yell. He can't even sing. <laughs> you know, and, and, and all this stuff. And uh, that's funny because there's a lot of people that think that, but mm. I, you know, I didn't care as a kid. I was like, yeah, yeah, he yells because <laughs> he's angry about war, you know? Um, and so, like, yeah, I, I definitely felt like it was kind of a, I just kind of took what I could get when I could get it. Mm. because it was because it was so discouraged yeah i mean that's quite an interesting i mean some people might be able to you know recognize that and understand that because in many ways there is still the element of rebellion and outsiderish that everyone went through at some period getting into you know underground heavy metal or hard rock or hardcore whatever you want to call it so an interesting thing there you mentioned is that you know your whole family's into church and then obviously your dad at some stage wasn't part of the church because he's got this collection of devil music, apparently. Yeah, so my dad came from, uh, 
my dad had kind of a rough childhood growing up. Um, he was kind of, um, he wasn't really like a deadbeat or anything, but he, he definitely made choices when he was younger that he probably, you know, not too proud of and, and all that. And I know he, he was an alcoholic for a long time. Um, but by the time I was born, he had very much cleaned up. He cleaned mm. up his act and he was sober and he's been sober ever since. And oh, wow. um, so ever, ever since I've known the guy, he's been an upstanding citizen. You know what I mean? Like mm. as far as uh, a good moral compass, somebody to look up to, you know, all that stuff. Um, but I think that what that stuff was, was kind of more of a relic of his, uh, of his past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what I think is interesting about the whole, like, yeah, you can listen to this, but not when your mom's around is that, when you're when you get into that kind of music you never really leave it i mean mm -hmm. i've heard people before say you know um oh I, I you know i i found god so i don't listen to to hard rock or heavy metal music anymore and i burned all my records i remember there was a uh, baptist preacher when i was in high school somebody from my high school asked me to uh, come see this preacher preach and uh, we didn't know what kind of preacher he was but he was a very like anti-rock music preacher or whatever and um, I remember me and me and some buddies of mine were kind of playing around or whatever um, and I started hitting the drum or I started kind of uh, hitting the drum and it was I think it was paranoid we were trying to like play we thought it'd be funny if we just you know kind of played a little itty bitty like paranoid sort of thing um, and but he was into it I thought that was weird because he was super against rock music mm -hmm. and he was very much like, Oh yeah, that song is so great. You know, I love the song. I love, I love the vocal hook on that song. You know, I like the beat. I like all that stuff or whatever. But then at the end of it, of course, he's like, but you know, all that's really bad. You shouldn't be into that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. So it's funny that even then the people that are against it, um, you, you, it still, it still never loses its hold on you. You're always a fan, whether you, whether you want to admit it to the rest of the world or not. Um, and so I think that's that's mainly what that was with my dad was that um, number one he probably just forgot that he had those records mm. and you know they had just been there before I think my family joined the church but yeah as far as the rest of my family my mom was always very religious and her mom was religious and so um, that was just kind of the way <laughs> that was just kind of the way things were uh, for about the first 10 or 11 years. What about you know uh, it's interesting that you know you kind of in a many in many aspects, you stumble across this kind of music being in existence. So, do you start sounding out and pursuing that kind of music solely on your own? That you didn't mind if it was secular or not, or did you try and pigeonhole? And that's not the right phrase, but did you start to hunt out the faith-based heavy music? Not at first, because at first none of it was allowed you know, like mm, it didn't matter mm. whether it didn't matter whether it was christian or supposedly christian or not or, or whatever i knew that like you know because like you look at like some of the christian thrash bands that were around in the 90s like deliverance and mortification mm. and tourniquet mm -hmm. like like yeah they're christian bands but they're sick like musically <laughs> they're they're really like mm. extreme and in your face if i went and showed my mom a tourniquet record in 1992 i mean she'd I'd have been grounded for the rest of my, I'd still be grounded right now. I wouldn't be able to do this interview, you know, like it, it would be, uh, it would be just insane. And uh, so I, at first, no. So like when I got a little bit older, um, there was a kind of a weird period where we stopped going to the church and I don't remember exactly what the reasons were. I think it had, 
I think I think my parents were just tired of you know in, in an environment like that where everyone's sinning all the time everybody likes to kind of get together and talk shit about mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone else and mm-hmm. so I think I think my parents had kind of had enough of that so we didn't stop like being religious necessarily but we did leave the church but that was the period where they weren't they didn't have like the foot on my on my face quite as hard so um I, you know i met some friends at school and i had no idea what the like, current like music was at that time um but it turns out it was like corn mm-hmm. and limp biscuit and slipknot and like all you know all the new metal bands as we would call them now we didn't call them that then no we I, we just we just called them metal back then or we call them rap metal or or you know uh, it's so funny how there's a word for everything now uh, <laughs> but uh yeah so i had friends that would uh that would make me tapes like entire albums i had a i had a friend uh named chris who would uh he'd make me tapes and uh joe uh joe from discography mm-hmm. discussion uh him and i go all the way back uh to that time period and so um he would make me tapes and and compilations like i'll listen to these songs and then so what i would do is i knew i couldn't go home with a corn tape so what did i i would call i, I would write on the tape like gospel hits volume three so like i knew i knew corn was volume was volume three uh maybe slayer was like volume two <laughs> you know stained volume one you know like that sort of thing uh to kind of throw off the scent and that was around the time I started asking. Anytime somebody asked me if I wanted something for Christmas, uh, I didn't ask for video games or, or, or toys or clothes. I asked for headphones, mm. Walkman, you know, Walkman headphones. Um, and I got busted a couple of times and, you know, the tapes got thrown away, but like, it didn't stop me, you know, like <laughs> I would just go, uh, cause I mean, this stuff blew me away. I mean, this was not like, this was not like Boston or, or, or sticks or, or even black Sabbath. Um, these bands were the most extreme thing I'd ever heard uh, up to that point. You had bands like Corn that were screaming all the time, and it was like this dark music and saying and saying words that I just would never be caught in front of my mother saying, you know, like <laughs> you know, just the the language, the content. So like, once I got over the initial culture shock of it, um, I was all in, like call, card carrying member, uh, and as as I got older, my parents more or less just started loosening up on that stuff because they're like, I think, I think to a certain extent, they're like, we know he's listening to this music, uh, but he's not doing drugs. He's not, out, he's not out getting in fights, you know? Um, and for whatever reason, whenever he puts his headphones on, he actually does his homework, <laughs> you know? So like there, there were, there were, there were perks to it that they, I think were able to see once you took kind of the veil of religion off you know what about with you know it, for anyone that knows what you do or have done you know music is more than just a fleeting thing you know it's not just background music so do you looking back and reflecting do you think there's a reason or what might have been a reason that it changed from just being something in the background to something you were so fixated on because some people get like that but not everyone everyone gets like that well, and I hate, I hate you. I hate playing this card over. I hate playing the religion card over and over and over again. Mm. But um, we didn't have anything. I don't think people really kind of understand what I mean by like we didn't have anything. Uh, we didn't have a television in the house. Uh, we didn't have, um, you know, we couldn't obviously go to rock concerts or whatever. 
um we didn't have music really i mean we had we had gospel tapes mm. or you know i had my my own quote-unquote gospel <laughs> tapes too um but we had that sort of stuff but one of the biggest things that i used to do when i was a kid because i didn't have tv or movies or even video games to play um i just uh I, we would listen to books on audio mm-hmm. and so i've always been a very audio fixated person um i'd rather listen to audio um you know I, i'm the kind of person that like if you're teaching me a new skill uh, i can't i can't um I can't watch like I can't like I'm not necessarily a hands-on learner as much as I'm an auditory learner. Mm-hmm. So everything everything for me everything just kind of goes in. People say go in one ear, go out the other. <laughs> I don't have that. I've got mm-hmm. like this weird mesh in the center that that just catches everything. And so for me, I don't I don't think I ever took it for granted and I think that's why music affected me in such a profound way because it was different than what I was used to but it also kind of catered to kind of my tendency to only want to listen to things. Um, my friends always think I'm weird because like, I, I have no problem just putting an album in and sitting on the couch and listening to it mm. like without playing, without playing on my phone or, or, or reading a book or, and I, and I still will do things like that. And I think, I think that's the cool thing about music is that like, it can absolutely be background noise, um, but it doesn't have to be. If you, if you listen through it, you know, you're, you're good. Um, there's a lot to pay attention to unless the band's just like generic. I'm not going to lie. One of my favorite things to do when I clean is just to put on generic hardcore music, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. nothing earth shattering because if it, it, and this is a problem I have is that like, if a band is too musically interesting, I can't get anything done if I'm listening to it in the background. <laughs> um, that's why I tend to listen to like, um, either generic hardcore music or like generic punk or just like instrumental stuff. Uh, because I find myself like, I can't listen to Meshuggah and clean my basement, (laughs) you know, certainly not without breaking something, you know, like it just, it's one of those things where you start paying too much attention. So I don't think for me, it was ever something that I took for granted because it was so new and so interesting. What about, you know, another thing that I think is interesting is, you know, you kind of, almost instantly switched from music that didn't have an aggressive tendency to it. And I mean that in everything, musical sense to vocal sense, everything was a, suddenly became aggressive. Is that something for you that, you know, took some time to adjust to? Like, were you instantly a bit like, mm, I can't get into this? Or did it pretty much just seamlessly start for you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so I think, I think, the best way to go about this is that early on no so like um i think the aggression was something that i could feel but like when you when you're looking at bands like black sabbath or led zeppelin and stuff they're cool they're not necessarily relatable Hmm. so i didn't relate to like the lyrics and stuff so much uh but these were still people that were still singing songs uh but whenever i got into stuff like corn um i didn't necessarily because corn still has predominantly a melodic vocal or whatever you want to call what john davis does uh you know it's it's not exactly like beautiful melodic singing but it's um it's more in the commercial vein uh and so but i like the screaming and stuff because i feel like you know growing up in an environment where it didn't matter what you did or what you said you were always wrong you were always sinning you're gonna go to hell you know 
And so like all that kind of talk of like hellfire, you know, I always joke that the world's been ending ever since I was three years old, you know, because <laughs> older people would tell me, oh, you know, yeah, Jesus is going to come and then the world, the world's going to be raptured and then everybody's going to be carried off except you because uh, you didn't take the trash out when your mom told you to or, you know, something like that. It's like, it's so dumb because like I haven't been oppressed really um in any way but uh but i identified with those angry feelings um mm. especially in that like that first corn record i i took a trip uh just this past weekend uh up to illinois to visit uh my friend brian gray who uh plays guitar for a band called the blame and um you know i i actually because it was such a long drive i popped in the first corn record uh and listened to it all the way through in the car and like i almost like i almost broke down in tears a couple of times because of just how much it it took me back kind of to that place. And so the anger and the rage, you know, I think all of that kind of, kind of more or less fit. I was kind of at that age, you know, um, I'm almost going to hit puberty, you know, and just having kind of that, that pent up like teenage angst. So bands like bands like corn and limp biscuit and especially slipknot, Hmm. uh, like really, uh, but I do, I do remember kind of taking pause, hearing Slipknot, and being like, "Oh man, this is like really, really, really aggressive," you know. And I'd been indoctrinated religion with religion my whole life, so like I was shocked, you know, certainly uh, at a few things. And um, so I, you know, I kind of took pause with that. But as I got older, and I started getting into stuff like Zao and 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 Living Sacrifice. So, and it's, it's worth noting too, uh, that, so after we stopped going to church, I didn't want to have anything to do with like religion or God or anything like that. I think it's kind of a natural reaction hmm. to coming out of something like that. Uh, but then I kind of got involved in a youth group when I was in, in, uh, high school that they were, they were cool. You know, there, there were, there were Christian bands that were cool. You know, there was, uh, like POD and, uh, project 86 and um you know like these kind of like heavier christian bands that were kind of like corn you know in a way uh so i was like really attracted to that and they weren't as like strict religiously or whatever and so like i I learned a lot more about the religion i think that way and um so there was a period of time where you know my introduction to like actually heavy music uh kind of came from that you know like checking out more and more bands and it, it's so weird i feel like such a poser sometimes when i talk to some people that are like really into metal uh because i got my start there you know like i would go i would score the internet like like message boards and, and stuff to find um heavy christian bands you know like that was like my whole thing because i i had a friend uh named buddy who um he's been on discography discussion a few times as well he um we were both trying to find like the newest coolest hardest like christian band out there and um after a while we reached a point where where um you know bands like pod and project 86 they just weren't cutting it they weren't heavy enough they weren't hard enough um i always joke that like heavy music's like porn like you start off with something that's relatively normal and then you you just try to make it more and more and more extreme (laughs) as it goes um and that's that's exactly what we were doing you know and but we also like we were taken aback because like there was a website called godcore.com and we would go there and on godcore it was like an index of like every christian heavy band ever but like at the time i didn't know that there was like christian death metal 
and black metal and 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 grindcore and 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 hardcore and metalcore and uh and punk and like all of this stuff and um the first couple of times i mean like and it's the first couple of times i heard some of these bands um i was totally taken aback and shocked i was like these vocals are bad for some reason. I, and I never could figure this out. Why new metal fans, the first time they hear something heavier than new metal, they always immediately turn into their parents and they mm. go, that's not music. Mm-hmm. Why is that guy screaming like that? It sounds terrible. <laughs> it sounds like they want to be slipknot, but they can't do it or something, just something <laughs> dumb. Uh, and we said dumb shit like that all the time. I mean, just all the time. We were like, Oh, this isn't good. This isn't good. This isn't good. Um, but sorry, that was a way too, way, way too long of an answer for that question. But yes, so to answer your question, um, yes, I was taken aback um, by kind of the extremity, the heaviness, the anger, the darkness. But at the same time, I also feel like I kind of had enough of that within myself mm-hmm. uh, to where, you know, it made sense. It had it had a little bit of context. I could relate to it. Yeah, you, know, you, you touch on something there that, you know, I've had a few um, guests on the show who have been you know, like yourself, you know, with your band, which we'll come to, that we're inside the realm of the heavy faith-based music. Now, I Mm -hmm. think it's a really interesting thing because I was kind of dipping my toe into it when it was really vibrant, and you're talking about the time when it really started taking off. And what I mean by taking off for listeners that aren't aware or maybe don't remember or weren't out of, of an age is out of nowhere it felt like that every band was coming up that were saying we're Christian or we're signed to a Christian label. And it became a very much, you know, I don't want to say mainstream, but in the underground, it became more mainstream, if that makes sense. So for you, I mean, did it feel like suddenly there was just all these bands around? Like you said, I mean, there are the more seasoned ones like Living Sacrifice and Zayo, but suddenly there was bands on Face Down Records and Solid State that were popping up. There was bands like Demon Hunter and War of Ages and all of this. So was that a great thing for you to see at the time that it was such a vibrant scene and it wasn't so alienated like you thought for a period? Yeah. I mean, because when I first started listening to Christian bands, it was still early enough to where like, it wasn't cool. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, like you, you would tell other people at church, like, like, so if you, if you go to church or you go to youth group or something and you see a kid wearing like a corn shirt or something, you know it's okay to go up to over to that kid and be like, "Hey, check out, uh, check out Project Eighty Six, or or check out Blindside, or or something like that." You know, you knew you could get away with it, but like, there's no way I would have gone to like a secular metal show. You know, like if I if I'd have gone to see, um, God, I don't know, um, it was a band like even something like Blood Has Been Shed or something mm-hmm. like back then. I would only approach the people that were wearing Christian band shirts, mm. you know, because I didn't want to get made fun of, or I didn't want to get beat up or, 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 or scrutinized for it. Um, but then things changed. Um, so eventually I, and I, and I, so everybody says like, Oh yeah, it was uh demon hunter and like stuff like that. Like some of the bands you mentioned, um, I remember coming, coming along way earlier or way later, uh, in the game, because I think for me, it was, it was as dying mm-hmm. was whenever mm-hmm. I first started seeing, because like as dying, number one, they were like a Christian metalcore band um, that was signed to metal blade records. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think Hope's Fall, um, they were on Trust Kill Records. Yeah, I think it was Trust Kill. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then a couple years later, Zayo signs to Ferret. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of those things where, um, yeah, it, 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 at first I thought it was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, because, because I'd been scrutinized so much for it in the past, I thought like, okay, people don't know these bands are Christian or else they wouldn't listen to them, you know? But like, if you listen to the first Azalea Dying record, Fail Words Collapse, that whole record is about Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's very, um, Under Oath was the same way, you know? Uh, Under Oath's biggest song, uh, A Boy Brush Red, uh, Living in Black and White, I think it's called. Wow, it yeah. shows how good my memory is. Um, that's a song that's like anti-premarital sex, mm-hmm. you know? And like all these, all, all these kind of like topics that you typically don't, see in rock music you know um and so yeah i think under oath uh was a big one as dying was absolutely massive everybody loved as dying everybody was really into it um and i think that metalcore is outrageously unique for being a style of music where like 70 percent of the bands were like faith-based bands mm. you know yeah. because like yeah i mean i understand like bands like converge obviously being like the amazing band that they are um, and that they were doing that they kind of did the metalcore thing before a lot of people did or like um coalesque or, or dead guy and like those bands like those are all very dillinger escape plan i can just keep naming them but like um those bands were like super 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 important but i didn't listen to i didn't listen to coalesce when it came out i listened to norma jean mm-hmm. you know um i didn't listen to botch I listened to norma jean i listened to converge i listened to zeo you know so it was one of those like one of those weird worlds that you grow up in where like you don't know any different so like i remember a guy showing me soulfly and being like this is really cool and i was like oh this is cool i don't really think it's as cool as living sacrifices though mm-hmm. you know um and but I, but i was like i appreciate that it has the same vibe you know i'm like really into it and um so yeah it was it was strange i think at first and I think I think one of the one of the biggest things is that I didn't I didn't embrace it right away either mm-hmm. because like four or five years into listening to that kind of music, especially as a teenager or in your early twenties, um, you tend to move past bands very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so like, I had done the Christian metalcore thing. I, I'd listened to Zayo and Embodiment and Living Sacrifice and Norma Jean and Under Oath and like because I remember when Under Oath was like not commercially viable at all yeah you know yeah yeah they, they almost had like black metal like style vocals and and keyboards and stuff it's always the keyboards um <laughs> so like but i just kept going heavier after i found those bands so like i got into i went back in time and kind of got into like the christian thrash bands like uh, i really liked mortification and um their death metal album uh scrolls of the megaloth mm-hmm. um still one of my favorite death metal albums to listen to um i mean unfortunately that band got terrible uh, over the <laughs> years but that that record was still incredible uh but the uh so i got like i started getting into like the christian death metal stuff and the black metal stuff and the crazy thing is is that like there was like a whole scene so like back in the day there were like message boards Uh, like metal message boards and stuff and like that's where i kind of cut my teeth on the internet 
um this is before social media and stuff so if like if you wanted to talk to somebody about metal especially something like christian metal you'd have to go to a christian metal forum mm. you know and you had to find one and there were there were a couple of those uh there was one called Firestream that i was on for a long time but the weird thing about that is that even though even though it's supposed to be like christian music or whatever those guys they all hated like the popular mainstream Christian heavy bands that were coming out. So like they didn't like uh demon hunter and they didn't like uh, as LA dying and they didn't like under oath or Norma Jean or any of those bands. Like that's, that's, that's kid. That's music. The kids at the mall listen to, you know, um, that's all mall core, you know, like it was, it was funny to me after all that time that like these supposedly enlightened individuals. Right. Um, they're just like any other like heavy metal scene. Like that, mm-hmm. it's, it has the same, it has the same toxicity to it that that other metal elitists <laughs> have. Mm. Uh, and so I got a little disillusioned by that. So I think that like after a while, I just ditched all of it. I stopped caring about whether or not stuff was Christian or or not Christian or or anything. Um, I was excited for the bands that did well. And I appreciated that those bands added kind of an air of legitimacy to what we're doing. You know, uh, discography discussion wouldn't have survived as a podcast um, if if not for the work that those bands put in in the early 2000s. Nobody would listen to it, you know, like not at all. Well, I mean, I also find it interesting, you know, that there was so many bands that were in the mainstream, like you said, and there were so many bands, as you said, that weren't. But I also you know find it interesting that it was such a big thing for such a for such a long time and then it really just now there's so many bands you know under oath is one you mentioned that have gone out of their way to distance themselves from faith and i think some people forget that everyone grows up and a lot of these people they were young when they were into this and naturally it changes but in many ways what i'm trying to say is nowadays it feels like Many people say new metal is an ugly word, but I think nowadays the new one is nobody wants to be called a Christian metal band or a Christian hardcore band. They just don't want that label anymore. I have a theory about that, and I think that one of the biggest reasons is September 11th, Mm. 2001. Um, We always say September 11th killed new metal, uh, you know, in a way. Um, But I think with September 11th, who was the most popular heavy band? around september 11th it was pod yeah yeah and it was because people were feeling hopeless you know um in america it was the it was the first like time that america was attacked in like a not military you know what i mean sort of sort of thing so like people were feeling really hopeless people had lost family members um this is before the world was quite as connected as it is now i mean we had the internet but we but we didn't have it like we have it now Mm. Uh, so there was a lot of there was a lot of confusion people didn't know if there were going to be more attacks and people were scared people were afraid they were scared for their lives and um you know then pod comes out and they're like i i feel so alive for Mm. the very first time and it gave it gave people kind of a, a positive feeling and that's when I, that to me is when all the Christian bands started flourishing because people wanted to listen to music that had a positive message, mm. you know, because like, if you look at, if you look at the nineties, um, the nineties, everybody was, you know, even the 80s, I'll even throw the eighties and nineties in the people were afraid of drugs. Mm-hmm. They were afraid of gangs. They were afraid of like, 
um, like like nuclear things, like war and and, and all. And it's not that people aren't worried about those things now, but like it was very prevalent in the '90s. And um, the 2000s were supposed to be kind of this new dawn, this new era, or whatever. So everybody had kind of gotten burned out on all the themes of what was wrong with the world, and horrible things were happening. So people wanted to focus on something else. So you get stuff like 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 uh, Pod um, with their satellite album. Um, and then that opened the door for bands like Blindside, uh, mm-hmm. who also had a very positive message. Even Disturbed got in on it. Uh, if you remember, they released that song called Prayer. Mm-hmm. Like that whole that whole Disturbed album was about faith. It was about a lot of different faiths, but it's still like, you know, um, it was still kind of that same sort of vibe, you know. Um, whereas this is a band, you know, that you know a year before released an album and the main song is about a guy like killing his mom you know what i mean like so it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's uh it was a huge kind of kind of turn uh for that kind of music so everybody everybody wanted something more positive they wanted something more um something fulfilling and that's when the christian bands really rose to prominence because people people wanted that positive message but then you know 10 you, you fast forward to like 2010 and then all the net kind of the more negative aspects of religion start pouring in um the racism the bigotry the uh you know mm. the sexism the 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 uh the anti-gay you know sort of mentality and i'm not saying that all christians are like that but there were some that were and they were very vocal mm. about it and so i think at that point because i remember even being um being in a christian band myself and like people would just assume that because I was in a Christian band that I hated gay people mm. or that I, you know, um, you know, like, or, or that like, or they would pick apart every single thing that I, that I would say and be like, well, that's not Christ. Like that's not Christ. Like, and so if you're a band that started off in like 2003, you know, during kind of that nine 11 boom, um, you know, like you're just playing music and you're selling records and you're having the best career, that a Christian musician probably has ever had. And, but then you're also dealing with like the hate side of it. Um, This is a little secret about being in the Christian industry is that like, no matter how good you are, you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not, you you didn't represent Christ well enough. Um, Somebody saw one of your band members smoking a cigarette and, and now they're bad, you know, um, you know, even us, like, like within the destiny, we had skulls on our t-shirts and, and, you know, parents we're not, you can't, they, my kid can't go to your show because, because there's skulls on the t-shirt. So like take that and put it on a global level, apply it to all Christian bands. Every single one of them knows what I'm talking about and has been through it. Uh, and eventually that gets exhausting. It gets exhausting to the point where, you know, you don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. Mm. Whatever your personal relationship with God is, is beyond is between you and God. Mm. It's not about, you know, uh, pleasing other people. And so I think that's, I think that's largely why everybody kind of moved away from that tag, you know? Um, and I think, uh, I think like even, even a band like living sacrifice that has like stuck with it all this time. The reason they stuck with it all the time is they just did what they did and they didn't care what anybody else thought. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's more respectable. That's like a little bit more punk rock, I think, you know, um, but not everybody's not everybody's that way. And people want to be liked. And I think sometimes um, maybe it's easier for you to just distance yourself from something that makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. You know, 
Uh, so it, it's it's strange, and I think that's perfectly said out of everyone that's been on the show that I've kind of asked basically in a in a way the same question. That's the best answer I've heard, or the best um, take on it I've heard. Now you mentioned in there the band that you know you had a had a crack had a had a snap of the whip with, which was End of Destiny. Now. Through my knowledge, I know that actually End of Destiny came about after an early band called Jelly Donut. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Dan was in a band called Jelly Donut, which was um, punky and then turned into, I mean, I've heard you say, you know, new metal, but not really new metal, but in some ways. So want to get into End of Destiny and you come into this at a period where the scene's booming and you guys, in many ways, are going through your own personal developments in life, etc. Is this band, when it initially starts off, is this kind of like all in? This is the whole focus for you guys to give it a crack? Or was it kind of like, we'll see where it goes, and if it doesn't, we'll try something else? I think for me and Joe, it was full crack. I mean, mm-hmm. it was full, like, let's do this. Um, but I think so Joe wasn't in the band. So I within to Destiny, uh, this came after I had um about a year before that I actually did a magazine where I did CD reviews and stuff for Christian music, kind of like what I was talking about, like the black metal bands and the the death metal bands and the the grindcore bands and stuff. And so I was like really, really, really kind of into that scene until after a while I just kind of found it utterly disgusting and I got out of it. Mm-hmm. Um and so I didn't do a whole lot. I've always been kind of motivated. Like I always want to be doing something. I don't want to just like, I don't want to just live a life. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I, yeah. that's fine. Like that's fine for most people. I don't have anything against anybody that doesn't like do creative things. But like I did, I did the magazine and, um, and it was fun for a while. And uh, I, I stopped doing it because I just kind of got out of that scene. And so it was like a year later or whatever. And I was feeling more or less just kind of bored and wanting to do something and um, I was on Craigslist um, looking for hot singles in my area. And by hot <laughs> singles, I mean, you know, band members. Uh, so I, I was like, yeah, let's, you know, I want to do a band. And so there was an ad for a band called Least of All Saints. And they were like a, uh, they were like a Christian, like pop punk, a little bit of hardcore, like a little bit of screaming, you know, um, kind of. But they, they said they wanted to be in like a screamier direction, kind of like an As Cities Burn or mm-hmm. something like that. And I was like, well, I could scream. I can do screaming vocals. So um, I applied to the ad and um, I went to this dude's church service and I stayed after and we went in the youth room and we, we you know, we basically hammered out like the idea for a band. And we're like, yeah, we want to have like keyboards in it. I remember there was a lot of talk about like making it like Under Oath used to be because hmm. this is after Under Oath had kind of gone in more of the emo uh, main more mainstream like metalcore sort of direction, and uh, we but we wanted to do Under Oath like Under Oath used to be, uh, so we wanted like keyboards, a screaming vocalist, you know, we hadn't really hammered out a whole lot beyond that, and um, eventually once we, I knew we were serious, we'd done it a couple of times. We'd we'd written kind of some song some songs. And then kind of played around with some ideas. And it was just me, uh, Patrick, our guitar player, and this guy named Tyler who played the keyboard. And um, so we were, you know, and then I remember they're like, well, we need a drummer. And I was like, well, my buddy Joe uh, isn't, uh, he's not really a drummer. He's more of a guitarist, but I know he's trying to learn how to play the drums. Uh, so we should have him come on. And Joe said, yeah, I mean, it seems 
like a band would be a really good way to get, you know, practice and experience uh, playing drums. So I brought Joe in uh, and then I brought in uh, Buddy uh, to play bass. Buddy had actually, so Buddy played guitar in Jelly Donut. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and then Joe, Joe also played guitar in Jelly Donut. Uh, so it's like we, the band was like, you know, three fifths Jelly Donut, you know, <laughs> and, um, but we were trying to be heavier. We were trying to be harder. Uh, and so we wanted to do this like hopes fall kind of like under oath uh, sort of direction. And obviously, you know, everybody in the band were believers. Um, so we, we wanted to do a Christian band, you know, which is funny because at that time, if I feel like if it had been a few years earlier, I would have been like, I don't really know if we want to call it a Christian band, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't, but like, but, but in 2005, no, absolutely say it's a Christian band, you know, like people are going <laughs> to, people are going to love that. Um, and so we got together, we played a couple of shows. We played, we, we recorded a three song demo. Uh, and uh, I remember we put, we put uh, quotes from night of the living dead because it was public domain. So we could put night of the living dead quotes. We named, we actually named uh, the, the album. We, the walking dead brought back to life, mm-hmm. which is funny because the, like the walking dead wasn't like a thing then. No. So like now when people hear it, they'll be like, oh, you guys are just, you know, talking about the walking dead. It's like, no, actually it was a, it was a whole thing. And, uh, we put that out and I, um, I got contacted by a guy on Firestream who, uh, owned a label called open grave records. And just based on that demo, he wanted to sign the band. Hmm. It's funny because like, as I tell the story, I think of all the red flags and, alarm bells kind of going off in my head like we're a band we haven't even been a band more than like a couple of months like what why we have a three songs you know released why in the hell would anybody want to sign our band but from a business perspective he wanted to sign that band because he was like people like under oath people like hopes fall people like christian hardcore music and i think all he just saw was dollar signs mm-hmm and uh and me being kind of dumb and young i was like yeah dude let's sign to your label you know so i sat all the guys down and everything and um we we you know we signed the contract and the contract was only for one album i mean it was a pretty small contract but uh what was funny about it was that like we hadn't played more than like five or six shows i mean we hadn't really (laughs) done very much as a band and he's like yeah i want a full-length album by october (laughs) so this is 06 right and we're like okay you know so we sat down and we shat out an album you know in in just a few months and i think like and we drove and we we drove two cars that we didn't have a tour van or anything like that because we weren't touring you know <laughs> and uh we we drove to uh allentown pennsylvania and recorded our album in like four days um and that's that is yeah. quite a it's quite a whirlwind um thing uh, especially for someone who's you know so into music and that must have felt like i mean collectively it would have felt like a big thing but for you that must have felt like this is it you know we're talking about a time when labels were such an important thing uh, they, they are still today but they're not really you can do a lot of things independently but back then to get signed to a label of any 
you know, size is a big thing for an aspiring kid who wants to be a musician for life, really. Yeah, and we we wanted to like we we obviously everybody that's in a band when you're recording your first record, you think that like I'm writing the best music out there. I think it's awesome. I think it's great. Uh, and then you deal with the reality of having to play it in or yeah, and having to play it the record in its entirety in, in four days and record it. And then you start realizing that like my drummer's only been playing drums for two months <laughs> or my, um, you know, and, and that's, that's not a slight on Joe. Joe's no. an incredible musician. Like he is like, he's, he's the lifeblood of pretty much every single uh, creative musical project we've ever done. And, um, but then like, you know, buddy was a guitar player that we switched over to bass, but he hadn't played guitar in years. And, um, and Patrick was like a pop punk guitar player you know, and, and Mike, Mike listened to like black metal and like, like, uh, atmospheric, you know, like stuff. And so like we, and then I listened to hardcore bands, right? Like, so it was one of those like meshing all of that stuff together, trying to put it kind of in a way that was like palatable. I think there's some songs that we did a really good job with that. And then other ones that I'm kind of like, oof, okay. Yeah. That's something I released, but like, <laughs> I'm not ashamed of it by any means, but it's just um, the reality of being like, okay, perform it now mm-hmm. and, and make it good to the point where, you know, obviously we had issues, you know, we had issues getting everything recorded on time to where I only ended up getting like, a, I only ended up getting like a few hours in one day to do a vocal, to do vocals uh, for the whole record. And my throat's still sore, like sore thinking about it. Like it was, uh, it was a lot. And, um, you know, we kind of just came home with this record. And the thing is, is he was like, yeah, go to the studio. We're going to the studio. We're going to the studio. But the studio just turned out to be like a dude's basement. Um, <laughs> you know, and, um, and there was a lot of really dumb stuff too. Like I remember him saying like, per the contract, you have to split recording costs with me. I'll pay for half of it. You pay for half of it. And I was like, well, how much is it going to be? And he's like, oh, I don't know, like 1800 bucks. And Ooh, uh, that's a lot of money yeah, at I, that age it's a lot yeah and i was like we don't have any money i was like we have like i mean we had a really good show the other night so we made like 300 bucks in shirts but like that's it you know like there's no you know we should we sold shirts and stickers and demos but like nobody was at that show we were opening for a we were op- we were either opening for a bigger local band uh or we were headlining and there were 20 people there you know mm. um so it was it was kind of one of those weird situations and then he told he tells me on the phone he goes, well, all right, I understand. Um, just just focus on getting here. So we got there, and then like as soon as uh, as soon as we got there, he was like, hey, okay, so it's gonna be um, it's gonna be nine hundred for the recording. Mm. And I remember looking at I remember looking at it, and I was like, Joe, pack it all up. We're going home. Mm. You know, and he goes and he goes uh, he goes, oh no, no no wait 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 you know. And so what I'm getting at with all this, I know it's not like kind of weird i've never actually really talked to anybody about this before but like the dude was like a criminal so like um yeah trying to see you guys to rip you off basically well not only that he didn't just rip off i mean he didn't rip us off really it's kind of a weird thing so like he we didn't allow ourselves to be ripped off mm-hmm. i guess is, is is where it was um you know i was working in banking at the time so like i had kind of a decent business sense you know and um 
this guy, this guy named James Matter. Now you didn't ask for this, but I'm gonna. It's an it's an it's a Mosh Zone exclusive. <laughs> um, so if anybody cares, uh, but this uh, this guy named James, he started a record label called Open Grave Records. And um, before he owned Open Grave Records, he used to just sell porn. He sold porn, uh, like just internet porn. He owned like a ring of porn websites um, and all this stuff. And um, we found out later that he had actually like he had actually pleaded guilty to uh, sexual contact with a minor oh. uh, a couple of years before that. Uh, and so it, it turns out that like Open Grave Records and, and all that stuff that was all just a, like all a sham. He didn't have a business license or or anything. And that's a little bit that's important later um, because so this dude was just like a criminal, but we didn't know that uh, at the time. And um, so, yeah, he, he had, it turned out even, too, that he never paid the studio for the recording either. You know, he just he just he just did what he did. And uh, now it's funny, but what's interesting about that studio is that it was uh, it was the house of a guy named Travis Turner. Mm-hmm. And Travis Turner played drums in a Christian technical death metal band called Crutch that later went on to be called Alathian. And if you've never heard their stuff, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like, like, like old school, like, like, like death human uh, type of type of stuff. Um, it's it was really good. High, it, probably the highest quality Christian metal I'd ever heard in my life, as far as like playing and and, and all that. And um, he was the drummer, and so I knew that about him. That that was what made me excited that we were going to be recording with him. Um, and he was cool. I think we drove him nuts, you know, over the course of the, of the few days that we were there. But, um, we recorded the, anyway, we recorded the album. We were disappointed because it sounded like an album that was recorded in four days. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in two with 2006 pro tools, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it sounded, it sounded like a, like a, it, it's an artifact from that time period mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is all I can really say. Uh, we put it out, and then um, pretty much as soon as we got home, Patrick was like, I hate the way the album sounds, um, and he basically just quit the band. Mm. And then um, I was like, well, we got a record we have to support, so uh, we hired another guitar player, and we just kept going, you know. Uh, we we would play shows out of town. We'd do things. We got a little bit of more notoriety, like, in the Christian scene. Like, I remember getting, like, interviews from magazines. Like, the types of – the types of uh, – exposure that you wouldn't normally have gotten if you weren't a christian band in like 2006 mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. uh, so we did really well with that and then we ended up playing cornerstone and um and it was i mean it was it was a lot of fun it was a great time but like over time we just kind of started realizing that like patrick really was very instrumental no pun intended to the sound of the band like the melodic stuff uh we wrote a couple of songs with the other guy but they were all like they were all significantly heavier than the stuff that we had done before. Uh, but not everybody was like really happy with that result. We were kind of happy being like a melodic, uh, hardcore band. And, um, so it ended up just not working out. And, uh, and that was kind of it. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I always joke that it's a band that went nowhere. Like that's, that's as interesting of a story as it is. Um, we got, we got together a couple of times afterwards and recorded a few songs together 
um but then like it just never ended up turning into into anything and it's funny because every time you get together with the guys and you write a new song and you record it and it reminds you of the old style you're like this is it we're back Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and then it's just not you know it just nothing ends up happening yeah Um, and of course we all got older you also need a look i mean it's completely understand what you how you joke that you know it's a band that didn't didn't go anywhere but you guys did things that a lot of bands don't get to achieve you know you played some local shows you went on some weekenders you recorded a demo you recorded an album no matter what you think of them or reflect on them about but you also a big thing to tip your cap at which i don't know if many listeners know but cornerstone is a big thing in that realm like that's that's a big fucking deal like that's a big achievement in itself yeah i mean that was the last time we saw james uh the record label label owner was in cornerstone he actually filmed the show is that the footage that's on youtube yeah 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 Yeah. so um and we we were cool with the dude we didn't know he was like a total douchebag until like way later you know um because yeah again he didn't really rip us off like he paid us in cds Mm mm-hmm which is, I mean, that may sound ludicrous, but like that's actually a really good deal because you can sell the CDs, you know, and make money off of that. So, you know, it's it's a good deal. I mean, it's a gift that still keeps on giving. Every now and again, I still sell somebody a CD or send somebody a CD or something, you know. Um, but it's, uh, but yeah, that was so. Yeah, we had Cornerstone. Yeah, one of the biggest things that we did back then too is we did video logs, mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of bands didn't really do that back then because like I've. There, there's a whole documentary like a five-part documentary of us recording the album uh on youtube and uh we're recording them on like shitty razor phones like <laughs> like phones that phones like like pre-smartphone mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. stuff with like the most basic of video recording capabilities and i remember every night joe would sit up uh, after we were done recording uh for the for the day uh he would sit up and cut those videos together put them online like put them on our website because um i don't think we had youtube back then we we were using something similar i know they're all on youtube now but uh but yeah so that that was something a little bit different a little bit fun but like end of destiny is one of the best things that ever happened to me but also kind of one of the worst in that Mm -hmm. like when you're in a band you completely engulf your entire identity into it Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And then when it goes away, oh, it's it's rough. Yeah, you just feel empty. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel you feel worthless. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's just kind of that's just kind of the way things were after that. You know, um, I still liked music. I still really into music and stuff. But like, you know, before before End of Destiny, I was I was Dan the magazine editor, and then I was Dan the vocalist, and mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. I had to spend like five or six years just being Dan mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm. uh, and that was hard. Um, not because I have delusions of grandeur or that I think that I'm like better than anybody else. It's just that I've, I'd spent so much of my life and I dedicated so much of my life to music to, you know, at first just appreciating music and then, and then, um, and then making music myself. Um, you know, I had joined another band. Uh, of, I think it was, it's if end of destiny ended in 2007 officially um i was in another band i think in 2010 i think it was 2010 uh called dressed as wolves which was a uh 
like a kind of more of a deathcore <laughs> kind of band. Mm-hmm. Uh, except I couldn't I couldn't do the deathcore vocals. I remember the guitarist was he always made fun of me. He's like, "Oh, your screams are great." I mean, for like regular screams, when are you gonna get those deep gutturals? And I was like, "I'm sorry, I can't do those." You know, like I, <laughs> so I just did like a, I did kind of like a Zao uh, sort of like, you know, sort of scream uh, for the whole thing, and uh, that was a cool band, but it lasted like five minutes. Mm. You know, um, it was in, and it's like any local band that you join. It just it's it's in and it's out and it's over. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that, those were the rough years. Those were, those were the dark times. Yeah. And then you, you know, you kind of by accident and because of dark times, you suddenly find yourself still talking, well, still in music in many senses of the way. I know it's a very loose way to say podcasting is still in music, but you know, for some people, they know you as Dan from discography discussion and you, you go from a very dark, um, probably in many ways, I'm not underplaying it, loss feeling. You know, you're suddenly floating around, as you said, you're just Dan now. And out of nowhere, you're suddenly doing podcasting. And how did the initial link up with Joe come about? Shout out to Joe. It's clearly uh, a legend in his own right. But how did that link up initially come about to then create what it is today? Well, in order to answer that question, we have to go back a little bit um, with as far as the dark times and, and all of that stuff, you know, so we I hadn't been in a band in a long time. And I still very much like personally identified with that. Like, I, I felt like if I wasn't creating anything, I was worthless, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, you know, and I, and I was married at the time. I had had a kid. I had my first child. I have four now. Um <laughs> But we, uh, we, uh, but I was just kind of living life. I had like a regular job. I was working as a cable installer uh, for like high speed internet and TV and stuff. And um, I did that job for for several years. And um, I remember I had gotten fired from a few jobs because I was in banking. Like I said, when I was within a destiny, I got fired from that job for essentially no reason. And then uh, I basically had to like start over. I had to like, cause I thought that was going to be my career and I got ended up getting fired and basically like blacklisted from like all the other banks, or whatever. I didn't mm. steal any money. If anybody wants to know, I'd have been much happier if I'd have stole money, but uh, I didn't. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I gotten fired from a string of jobs. I had trouble kind of staying employed and stuff. And I ended up having to start over. I ended up going back to school, like going back to college for a year and uh, I just remember being like, like super, super depressed. And then I ended up landing like the cable job and I did that for a long time. But anybody that's ever worked as a cable guy knows like how bad of a job that actually is, um, how you're just working all the time from, for almost no money. And, um, I got, I got really in a dark place and I, um, I, at one point I remember calling my supervisor and saying, I need to leave for the day. And he goes, oh, what's going on? I said, I need to leave before I hurt myself or somebody else. Because mm. I still had like kind of that rage, that that anger, that angst, you know, it was all still there. I just I had no outlet for it mm-hmm. because I'm an adult now. And like I have to like be respectful to people. I can't just tell people to fuck off if I'm mad at them or mm. I can't, you know, um, I can't yell and scream and rage and stuff. And that's all stuff that you're allowed to do when you're in a band. Mm hmm on stage anyway uh but like it's all stuff that like 
you know, I, I had no outlet for kind of this, this fire that was burning. And, um, and I had decided at that time that like the only way out of it was, I was like, well, my life's over. I'm just going to go ahead and just end it all, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, uh, there's a part of me that was like, dude, that's pretty messed up. You need to get some help, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, and so I did. And I remember, uh, I remember the first thing I did is I went in and, uh, I went into the, I went into a, a hospital and I said, uh, Hey, um, I'm having suicidal thoughts. I would like some help. And, um, so they took all my stuff away from me and, uh, they put me in like an isolation room. Um, and I got to spend a whole lot of time just kind of like analyzing how, how I got to this point, you know, and when I ended up talking, when I, so I remember like eventually I, I kind of bailed out of that though, because like they trapped me in a room with like a whole bunch of psychotic people that were like dangerous mm. and then i started realizing like oh i don't want to die because i'm afraid of these people you know so like maybe it's a false alarm or whatever so like i you know eventually eventually my wife got me out and i came home and i spent several weeks at home uh not working and um but through all that time you know one of the things i did end up speaking with a counselor and the counselor was like hey um you know what are you looking forward to like what do you what do you care about what do you care about the most you know and besides, like, you know, obviously, I want to see my daughter grow up, and I want to see her be successful, and, you know, and my wife, and, and you know, and, and our home, and our family, and all that stuff that we're building together. I want all that stuff, too. But everything else, the thing that they thought was the most interesting was they were like, it's all records. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to die because Zayo just is going to put out a new record. <laughs> or I don't want to die because, like, have you heard this new BT Bam record? Or I don't want to die because, you know, like it was, it, it sounds, it sounds so stupid, but it was a legitimate thing. And that was whenever I kind of started realizing that like, okay, music does really actually play a very, very significant role in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just some dumb thing I did whenever I was younger. It's something that I actually care about and something that I actually think about and something that I think about all the time. And so to answer your question, um, Joe, Joe's been trying to get me to do a podcast for years, <laughs> like straight up. Like we, we wanted to do, I know, I know originally we were going to do a podcast that was going to be like a, um, like a fake news podcast, like not like fake news, but like satirical, mm. uh, kind of like, kind of like the hard times or, or something uh, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but I just never felt like I was like funny enough to pull that off. You know, so, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we can be funny on the podcast, but I wouldn't consider us comedians, you know? So it's, it's one of those, like, uh, so I was like, oh, I don't really want to do it. I don't really want to do it. Um, well, Joe was engaged and, uh, this is his story to tell, not mine, but essentially his engagement ended up getting, get not happening, uh, mm-hmm. or the wedding ended up not happening, uh, for whatever reason. And he was, uh, he was really down and out about that. And so I started going down to his house like once a week um, to see how he was doing because uh, because I, I didn't want him to get to the same dark place that I had gotten to just a few years earlier. Um, so I was, wor- I was genuinely worried about him, you know, and we'd hang out. We played video games and we'd like, you know, drink some beers and talk about music. And eventually uh, he just kind of came up with the idea of like, oh, we should do a podcast, you know. And uh, I was like, oh, I don't know about that. 
because I had, there was a lot of stuff going into it that I was like, you know, we're going to do like a Christian podcast or whatever. Cause I don't wouldn't really feel comfortable with that doing that mm. now, you know, all these years later. And, um, you know, what about the end of destiny fans that will hear it and they'll be mad that we like said curse words or, or that we were drinking or, you know, I still had all those kind of like old school mindsets. And, and I remember Joe saying basically like, have you tried just like not worrying about any of that? Mm -hmm. Like just, just, he's like, just sit down. We'll pick a band. We'll talk about the, we'll talk about their records. And, uh, and we did. So I, I called up a guy, uh, I called up a guy named Josh, um, who I went to high school with. Uh, he was a good buddy of mine. He burned me the first four Metallica CDs uh, on CD uh, when we were in high school. And uh, Joe was a dear friend. We had, we'd kind of re reconnected recently. And I was like, yeah, me and Joe were doing this like podcast thing where uh, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about Van's uh, entire discographies. And uh, he was like, Oh yeah, yeah. That sounds really, really, really cool. And so he was on board. And so like we sat down so the first episode of discography discussions was never released. Uh, so we had um, the first episode was on mortification, believe it or not, because mm. uh, they're a band that I've had a love hate relationship with for years. Um, they have some really, really, really good early albums. Well, you guys can go listen to the episode, but like it's uh, it was uh, that was going to be the first episode, but it was just me like Joe was recording it but it was just me talking about the band's uh, albums. And it was like, honestly, probably the, one of the most boring things I've ever listened to in my life. <laughs> Cause it was very like in 1991 mortification put out their self-titled album. <laughs> it was a good album. Like it was just so <laughs> dry. Um, it's just, it's crazy thinking about what the show is now, like versus like what I was thinking back then. But uh we recorded it and Joe goes, okay, well, that was a good warm up. We're never going to release that. That was <laughs> hot garbage. Um, but uh, who's like, how about me and you and Josh sit down next week? We talk about Metallica. We do it for real. Mm -hmm. And that, that ended up being the first uh, episode of discography discussion. And um, I guess the rest is history. I don't know. Like it's, it's one of those, like we started doing it and um, I started really enjoying it. And for the first time I like, once we were like four episodes deep, I was like, I'm actually really having fun doing this. This is like some kind of weird therapy for me. Like um, I get to do the whole music thing. It scratches that itch. I'm not angry all the time. You know, I don't feel down on myself all the time. And um, I'm, I'm like really, really, really starting to enjoy it. And that was before anybody even listened to it. I mean, any pot, you know, like mm -hmm. any, any time you start a podcast, nobody's listening to the first probably for the first two years you know that you do anything <laughs> no one's actually showing up to hear it uh but i it didn't it didn't matter it was just like this is so cool and i was like it'd be really really cool and i remember thinking too like it would at least be cool for me to have this even if we only do a hundred bands it'd be cool for me to be able to go back and listen to what i thought about bands like 30 years from now mm-hmm you know, and it's and um, it's such an yeah. exciting, you know. I think I think you have only just you haven't even really touched on what it's about, you know. So, listeners, if you haven't had the chance, you know, you're going to after this, you're going to go and deep dive into discography discussion that Dan's all about, and couldn't recommend it enough. And it it the time and effort that you guys put into, you know, deep diving into a catalog that one band has created 
it's exciting. You know, for anyone that either likes the band or isn't sure about the band, it's an interesting listen. And it's also interesting that it developed from just you talking to at least two of you. This, you know, obviously sometimes some guests popping in and out, but the bouncing around of the energy, the ideas, opinions, it makes for an engaging listen to the point where personally you guys are one of the shows that really when I started getting into podcasting you were one of the ones and I still do today I always see what's what's out I go and look and I go on my Spotify all right the boys have put this out and I either download it or I listen to it straight away so it's highly recommended and it's really exciting also because you know I know from what we've spoken about you know outside of recording sense You've been someone that was a bit stringent with what you wanted to do with discography discussion, but over time you've learned to adjust. And is that something that you had to push yourself or did Joe push yourself to adjust the show? Not obviously in adjust as in change, but I mean open to new ideas. So, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that. So when we first started, I remember Josh, our first co-host, was like, I want to do an episode about Bush. And I was like, no. You know, and he, and I was like, "Why?" I'm like, "That's not metal," you know, because you know, I maybe I've I've painted myself in kind of a nice light in this interview, but like, um, I'm a little bit of like an elitist a hole, like when it comes to stuff like that, and or at least I was then. I, I've been working on it, uh, but it's it's one of those things where I was like, "It's not metal," and I and I'm so I because I come from the old school of metal fans where like people would criticize a band just for not being just straight metal. Hmm. Like if they had breakdowns or whatever, people just disregarded it. it has breakdowns. I'm not listening to it. It's metal chords, mall core crap or whatever, you know, like, and so it's not that I like necessarily believe that or think that, but I'm like, I was too worried that like people that were just into metal bands wouldn't take the show seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took Joe probably about a year Mm -hmm. to just say like again to come in with that worldly wisdom why don't we just do what we want why does it matter what other people are going to think of the show and it was equally ridiculous back then because nobody was listening to the show you know like not really i mean we had a couple of diehards you know like a couple years in but like for the most part it was just like nobody was listening you know i didn't even look at the download numbers they 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 were meaningless they didn't mean anything and Mm. Um, and so after a while, like we started, uh, we, so we opened up, like when we did that, I remember when we did that hopes ball episode, which I think was like episode 11 or 12 or something. Uh, I was like really weird about putting it out. Cause I was like, this isn't metal. People aren't going to like it. It's, it's melodic, like rock, hardcore type stuff. Um, and then, uh, we put that episode out and then like the hopes ball retweeted it and mm-hmm. like, uh, said hey thank you know this was great to listen to or whatever and you know and and so that once that happened that that kind of blew my mind because i never in a million years and i'm still shocked by it now like five years later like that anybody like like that the bands are hearing the show you know uh also and um so that kind of blew my mind and that's i think once we i know the first three episodes were supposed to be it was Metallica, Mortification, and then we were going to do Slayer. Mm-hmm. And we didn't do Slayer because Josh had a prior obligation or couldn't make it um, or something. 
and so he couldn't make the episode it was kind of last minute and um so i remember calling buddy and saying like hey can you come on um you know it's funny i was i was grabbed from the same pool of people right joe and buddy and you know um they've always been there for me though mm-hmm. you know in, the, in those sort of things so they're my they're my go-to guys for for everything and um i was like yeah we need to do an episode tonight um let's do one on zeo and the only reason we did the episode on zeo is because i knew i didn't have to listen to any of the records to have the discography discussion i was i was good to go you know like <laughs> I, I already you know i could already do that and a lot of the early episodes were like that uh metallica was like that mortification was that way zeo was that way um slayer was that way megadeth like we cheated man like they, they those are all just bands that we just knew you know uh not cheating down. it's not cheating at all man it's play safe like get your grounding going with doing stuff you're comfortable with like and you only that's the other thing listeners what they do with the discography deep dive is dan and the guys dedicate their week to listening to all of the music so they go in knowing the music so it's understandable man that your first few episodes was stuff like zayo because if anyone's gathered i mean or knows dan yeah zayo is kind of like his 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 go-to so i mean makes sense makes sense yeah yeah i mean and as far as diversification goes though that just came from like us just being kind of cocky after a while like it was like you know after a while so for three years we really grounded out mm-hmm. i mean like every week like if i even if i hadn't heard of a band um i would sit down and listen to their whole discography and 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 you know because i used to always joke people are, i'd be like well i'm not an expert but give me a week and i'll become one <laughs> you know um even if i'd never heard a single note of music by the band i'd be all like nobody knows more about this band right now than i do mm-hmm. uh and uh but then like i think it was like mid 2019 or whatever uh that's when i actually went back in and started looking at the download numbers and they were like astronomically higher than i was expecting uh because the one of the biggest things and i'm sure you can relate to this too is like you get you can get tons of people listening to your show but you never hear from anybody Mm -hmm. yeah you know like you you see the numbers you know people are listening but you don't you don't hear from them Mm -hmm. you know because maybe you're just what they listen to on the way to work on Monday or, and you know, it's, it's not anything more than that. And I appreciate those people just as much as I appreciate the people that email or, or join the discord or do, you know, do all the reach out stuff. And um, so we were kind of like, whenever I really started, whenever I started seeing what the numbers were, I guess I just kind of started taking things a lot more seriously. Like I was like, okay, you know, for three years, this has just been my own personal therapy sessions where I get to hang out with my buds and, and drink beers and talk about music. Uh, and it still very much is that, but like, um, I was like, okay, well, people have asked to hear an episode on, um, on the offspring, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so why wouldn't we do that? Yeah. The show's called discography discussion. It's not called only metal bands discussion, <laughs> you know? So it, it, it became kind of, you know, and then we ended up doing a rap episode mm-hmm. uh, with the rapper NF, who's like one of the most popular rap. Not only was it a super popular rapper, like when not only was it a rapper, but it was like a pop music rapper, like people that are hardcore to rap probably hate it, you know, but we did it. And, uh, and I have no regrets. And it ended up being one of our big, one of our biggest episodes, you know, um, so it's kind of like 
Joe has a lot to do with like the whole dude, you need to just relax. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. And Joe's like, I edit the show. If I think it sounds like garbage, I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. We won't we won't release it if it sounds bad or it sounds stupid or 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 I just don't think it's a good fit or whatever. And so I've come I've come to a point over the years where I really trust his judgment on that sort of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it makes no difference to me. I'm going to listen to stuff. And I think also after like five years of just listening to metal bands, you know, all the time, it is nice to kind of listen to something a little bit different. You know, that's why we started doing the new metal May every year um, and the industrial December and stuff who were kind of, kind of swap up the genres a little bit new metal maze just because i'm such a big fanboy of the roach coach podcast oh yeah um i was like i want to get in on that new metal action (laughs) and uh and give my own uh you know give my own sort of take on it and uh so yeah i think it's just something that developed naturally and you know nowadays nowadays i don't even pick the bands the listeners pick the bands they, they'll message and there's this whole list of, 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 of listeners suggested bands and we're never like, we're never going to run out, you know, mm. <laughs> like ever. <laughs> I love it, man. And that's the thing. Like you said, it's never going to run out. The amount of bands that either you haven't done or you don't know about is endless. Um, and you know, it's exciting. And you know, the fact that, the show has developed to being broad in the genres and styles makes it exciting because you'll gain people that maybe don't like metal, but they like that grunge band or that hip hop band act or whatever. And also, you know, for listeners who may or may not know, Dan has discussed metal. So he gets people on to break down uh, music that they're a part of or other aspects within music in general. And it's just exciting, dude. Uh, I'm, as you know, I'm a diehard discography discussion fan. Um, you and Joe do amazing things, and I'm also just excited for you that, you know, you found something to pour your passion of music into. Um, I think it's amazing that you found your feet when you were probably at a point where you never thought you would. So for me, as a genuine, as a friend, because um, I think we're becoming friends, I'm stoked you're here and I'm stoked you're doing everything you do. So you've always got support from Australia and the Moshone community. Always, always, brother. Thank you. That's, oh, I, I, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. And it's, it's, it always kind of blows my mind because it's just literally my wife always jokes. She's like, I've heard all these episodes before. She didn't listen to the podcast, though. She just heard me listening to me talk in the car and mm-hmm. talk about bands and talk about stuff she didn't care, like, at all about. Um, but she cares about me. So she, you know, yeah, yeah, great. You know, great, <laughs> wonderful, you know. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it makes me happy to hear that. And, like, it's funny you mentioned Discuss Metal. That's just me ripping off the moth zone, man. Like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> doing, yeah. The, doing the same thing, you know. Um, I'm terrified to interview people. Um, you at least take the time to to write down questions like thoughtful questions to ask the guests and stuff. And I, sometimes I feel like when I get on to do an interview, I just, I sit down and I'm like, so how you doing? You know, <laughs> like, you know, kind of, kind of one of those weird things, but, uh, but no, I, I appreciate it, man. And I, I it's, uh, it blows my mind. Any, anytime I hear somebody say that they're a fan or that they listen and, um, and that they care about the show and, and stuff, because like, you know, I care about the show because that's mm-hmm. like my job, but I don't expect anybody else to care about the show and, 
and 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 want to listen every week. I mean, anytime somebody tells me like, "Oh yeah, I listen, I listen to every new episode," or I listen, you know, I listen to this or that, or, and I'm always like, "Oh man," I always kind of figured this podcast was just going to be like people would just go in and listen to the episodes about the bands that they liked mm. uh, or the bands that they didn't like or whatever. And you know, when somebody's like, "Oh no, I just I just listen, I just like listening," you know, and it's like, "Wow," you know, I. Um, a lot of that, a lot of that too, I, I credit to Joe because I'm so uptight about things and, and he's so chill, you know? And so like, dude, it'll be fine. Let's just do it. It'll be fun. Don't worry about it. You know? Um, whereas I'm very much like, no, everyone's going to hate it or people are going to, you know, people are going to think I'm <laughs> dumb or people are going to think I'm a poser for, for a minute there. We were like, no, no Christian bands on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But like, would the show even be what it is without that? Like, it's one mm. of those like, you know, I get messages from people all the time that are like, I really love that you guys give Christian bands a fair shake, you know. But at the same time, too, it's not like overly, overly praising of those bands either. No, anyone, anyone wants to go and listen to the Demon Hunter episode, um, you'll probably kind of. That was one that I still love. You know, I'm I'm that big of a fan that. I get annoyed. I noticed it the other day. Um, I always I have certain days of the week that I listen to podcasts. It's a bit weird, you know. I'm all about routine and having patterns of things. And I went on my phone, and you hadn't got a new one. And I was just like, I just want to check that I've heard any. And I can't remember which episode it was, but I noticed there was an episode I missed. And I was really annoyed, and I got pissed off at myself because I was like, well, that's two months old, and I still haven't heard that. And I had to listen to it straight away. <laughs> That's, you know, shows like yourself and Roach Coach and stuff. It's, you know, it's it's great to have different variety, but it's also great to have this community that is kind of in the podcast game. Um, so, dude, everything you do, um, I'm glad that you're doing it, that, that people are listening, but I couldn't care if people weren't listening. I'll always be listening, and I'll be hounding you for new episodes if you – you slow down so you're not fucking slowing down either we're not slowing down man we are no. not slowing down i guarantee you we're uh i'll tell you this and anybody that's listening we're like five episodes ahead it was funny whenever new metal may we started people were like oh what's the next episode gonna be the next episode i'm like it was like a week before may and i was like dude we're already done with new metal may <laughs> like we did that already like we we get ahead joe and i joe and i just took our our uh first vacation uh in a long time but you won't know it Hmm. we just we 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 uh we recorded all the episodes in advance and and got them all got them all spruced up and ready to go and they're just they'll auto post when they're gonna post so joe and i like we didn't record a podcast last week and it was so relaxing yeah (laughs) it's smart it's smart man and that's the thing the more you get into this game the you know you learn to do things like that um i'm gonna plug it Again, before we do the pick your poison segment, so you know you're going to see. I knew it. this was coming. <laughs> you're going to see this. You know, everyone's going to know the name of Dan's podcast because it's going to be there on your little scrolling text on Spotify or Stitcher and that. And it's discography discussion. If you are listening and you're not paying attention to that text, make sure you now you know double click on that home button. Don't close this podcast yet, but go in there. Make sure you follow it. Make sure you subscribe to it. If you're into the five-star rating and reviews, give it one of them as well. You will not be disappointed. Now, Dan, my main man, you knew it was coming. It's coming. I knew it was coming. It's coming. It's called Pick Your Poison, ladies and gentlemen. 
Dan does not get away with not doing this segment. So for anyone playing at home or Dan, it is an option of two. You pick your favourite of the two. You do not need to justify your answer. But if you are worried about the backlash you are going to receive, you are welcome to justify your answer. It's fair. Okay. Pizza or burger? Burger, 100%. Okay. Ribs or brisket? Ribs. Only because brisket... Okay, brisket's great, but like... I don't know. I had some brisket the other day, and don't get me wrong, it was delicious. But like, I don't like all I don't like all the all the all the uh, all the fat that's in the brisket. I know there's fat on ribs. I know I'm I'm wrong, but I can choose to ignore that. With the brisket, I kind of feel like I just have to eat it as a whole. Yeah. Whereas the ribs, I'm already throwing a portion of it of it away, mm-hmm. so I don't have any problem skipping certain parts of it. That's a good answer. Um, chicken or beef? Beef. Hmm. What cut of steak Without are you? What cut of steak? Uh, how's like cooked or? No, oh, we'll go both. How do you like your steak cooked, and what kind of cut of steak do you oh. like? Man, that's rough. That's rough. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't eat that much steak, um, but I do. I, I enjoy all of my beef medium well. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, just to have a little bit of juice, have a little bit more flavor. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to eat a ho- nobody wants to eat a hockey puck. You know. <laughs> But I, but I also don't need to like. I also don't want it to be like so undercooked that like, you know, I I know what its nicknames are, what all of its friends' names were, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so I like I like a medium well. To be honest with you, I don't I don't eat enough steak, to to be able to answer that without sounding like an idiot. No, that's fine. So I'm gonna I'm gonna back off on that because I I eat a lot of burgers. Like, like as I said earlier, uh, I I'm I'm a burger fiend. I like gourmet burgers and 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 all that. I love barbecuing burgers i've got no less than 17 different seasonings upstairs right now like burger seasonings um i'm a big fan i i'm always barbecuing oh hey, you yeah i mean you're, you're friends with me on facebook you like i yeah. always am barbecuing and post, posting pictures so <laughs> then there's nothing wrong with that um yeah right chinese takeaway or indian takeaway chinese 100 percent. Okay. i can't do indian food yeah, look, I, I'm, um, mother-in-law cooks here when she's here, and um, I ha- look, it's nothing against the food. I love the food, but I'm p- always paying for it the next day. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's quite a pain. That's the same reason. I think Indian food is delicious. Mm, it is. But I, but it's not worth the, the toil mm. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day. But it's funny, though, because, like, Mexican food, that's worth it Well, <laughs> for me. It is actually the next one is soft taco or hard taco. Soft taco all the way. Well, that was easy. See, as a fat guy, um, you can compact more soft taco in your stomach than you can a hard taco. So there, there you go. And a hard taco falls apart while you're eating it. You know what I mean? It does. Like, like I've got a beard, you've got a beard. You know, you you know the struggle. Like you you you're pulling cheese and sour cream and, and beef and everything out of your beard and, and and all that. It's not it's not worth it. Just eat, eat a soft taco. Perfectly you gotta worry said. About it cracking apart in your hands. Yeah, it's also you know I I put crunchy or hard tacos in the same bracket as Toblerone. It's violent, angry, aggressive food that hurts me because it also just yes. hits the roof of my mouth and cuts it open, and I'm just not in the mood. 
yeah, it's not great. No. Just eat something soft and, and wonderful, and you know, mm. Mm. don't worry hungry. about it. Don't worry. Don't worry if it doesn't make you less. It doesn't. No, nobody's going to be judging you on 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 the type of taco. No. Um, what about smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Ooh. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm of two minds about this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick smooth peanut butter because I don't want to be one of those guests that doesn't pick something. Okay, <laughs> but I love the texture, the taste, and the eatability of crunchy peanut butter. I love it. Okay, mm-hmm. you can't you can't spread that shit worth anything. No, no. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna rip your bread up, mm-hmm. your, or or whatever it is you're putting your peanut butter on. You're gonna rip it up. You're gonna tear it up. You know, it's gonna taste delicious, but it's not gonna spread, mm-hmm. and that offends me. They they need to figure out some way to like. <laughs> make this more spreadable but i know like eventually if you make it more spreadable it's going to be more oily peanut butter than peanuts which is just destroys the entire point but smooth peanut butter i guess is fine because you get the flavor down it's not as satisfying to the mouth crunching it without crunching it but i I think at the end of the day i'm going to take spreadability over over uh texture yeah fuck yeah um coffee or tea coffee um i don't sleep um people make fun of me all the time i know i know tea has caffeine in it too but um (laughs) yeah i don't know just coffee coffee 100 percent uh i i only drink black coffee not because i'm hardcore trying to prove how much of a man i am uh it's just that like coffee you don't know coffee until you've tried coffee without any other additives Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is incredible uh, the problem with tea I have is that, like, I do enjoy some tea uh, every now and again. I like some, like, uh, aged Earl Grey tea. Uh, but I have to put, like, six tea bags in it and let it and let it sit for, like, 45 minutes until it tastes like battery acid. <laughs> uh, because I'm just a weird person, and I, I like – I don't like super sweet flavors. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why I think black coffee kind of wins out because tea sometimes tends to be a little bit more, like, light, airy, and fruity. Yeah. So I, I just like kind of that harsh – uh, roasted sort of taste. Yeah. Um, Mars bar or Snickers? Um, I've never had a Mars bar actually. Whoa! What? So I'm gonna have to go with I'm gonna have to go with Snickers just because. Never just had a I Mars bar. Snickers. Wow. Never okay. had a Mars bar. No. Wow. I don't know if they I don't know if they have those in Missouri. Um, they might. I'll just ask my wife later. I don't think I don't think she's ever had a Mars bar either. Wow. Hey, that's cool though. Yeah. Hey, we just found out that that that's a bit of random knowledge we just found out. Um, yeah. So if anybody wants to send me some Mars bars, you know, <laughs> let me know. Uh, I'll give them a. I'll do a YouTube video about about what I think of. Them. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about a can of Coke or a can of Pepsi? Can of Coke, one hundred percent, all the way. Yeah. Now, what about Pepsi, Pepsi? Is too sweet. What about a can of Coke or a glass bottle of Coke? Glass bottle of Coke. Fuck yes. I just fell in love with you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even better. Even mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a Mexican have you ever had a Mexican Coke? No. No. Oh, okay. Here's the thing about a Mexican Coke. Okay. Right. Um, I and I don't know how easy it will be to uh to get I don't know if you if you can get them in Australia or not, but if you can't, then you know, you send me a Mars bar, I'll send you a Mexican Coke. <laughs> um this is one of those okay. A Mexican Coke is Coke in a in a glass bottle. Right. But the but the, but the glass is infused with sugar cane. 
Oh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like it's like it's like 15 extra cents at the grocery store but like I will I will buy a Mexican Coke. That's what I will only bust it out for special occasions. Like 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 forget beer, forget coffee, forget everything. It's all it's all about that Mexican Coke. It is a unique experience that you will not get anywhere else. Fucking hell. What any yeah. all my Australian listeners here, like someone send an email or a letter to the Australian government and get that fucking sorted. I will pay an extra five bucks Australian for it. I don't care. Need my sugar. Absolutely. Fix. Oh. It's incredible. Oof. It's incredible. Now, you're gonna have your last ever meal. Do you want to have it at home or out at a restaurant? Ooh. I'm gonna have it at a restaurant. Okay, nice, nice. Because usually I cook, I do most of the cooking at my house. Mm-hmm. So the idea of not having to make it myself or clean up is very is very appealing. Yes. Yeah, my wife and I actually just went out for our for our 13 year anniversary uh, last night. And uh, we went to a place where uh, it was kind of a weird combination of both. It was they they so they would melt, uh, they melt. So the first course was like, they they had a pot. It's called the melting pot, mm-hmm. and um, and they put a uh, they put a pot in the middle of the uh, of the table, and there's like a heat plate underneath it, and they, it like boils like this like cheese. It's a fondue place, and um, so the first course is like little bits of fruit and little bits of bread and stuff, and you dip it in the cheese and. It's, it's incredible. Mm. Uh, and then um, then they brought me out, like, all these, like, raw cuts of beef because, you know, beef. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and you put them in the, you put them in the fondue. So the second course is just like, uh, like spices and, and, and broth and, and like some potatoes and like, just like a lot of cool, like flavor additives. And you would, you put it in there for like two minutes, you cook it yourself and you just eat it off of there. Um, that was weird. Cause I felt like I cooked my own meal, <laughs> uh, but at the same time it was amazing because it was at a restaurant. So uh, yeah, restaurant, restaurant, 100% all the way. Yeah, I know those kind of places. We've got ones down here, and they give you a – it looks like a hot plate, and then they give you your meat, and then you cook your meat and your veg on the hot plate. And I go home going, yeah. great meal, but I paid you 30 bucks to cook my own fucking meal a bit. But they're right, right. amazing places, amazing places. I felt the same way when I was filling out the tip line on the uh, – <laughs> I still gave the guy a tip because who knows? They might be only paying him a dollar an hour for all I know. You know, like exactly. Dude, dude, dude's got to eat too. You know. Yeah. Um. New movie. Watch at the cinema or watch on the couch at home. Uh, I would definitely. I, I appreciate watching new movies in the theater every mm-hmm. time. Every time. Um. And I and don't get me wrong. I've spent hundreds of dollars. Uh, I'm not a rich person, so it's hundreds of dollars, not thousands, um, on on good like home audio and and video equipment. But uh, at the end of the day, I like sitting in a theater and just having kind of that experience, mm. um, the smell of popcorn in the air, and um, just other people there there that are there that are just as excited to see what I'm about to see. Um, but I'm a little bit of a snob, so I won't just go see any movie. Mm. But uh, if, if I have a preference, I will do it at the theater. Yeah, hundred percent. What about spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow? Snow is what I meant. Yeah. Ooh, this is the one. This is the one that pisses everyone off. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with spending the day at the beach. Nice. Um, just because, I mean, I live in, I live in, I live in, I live right in the middle of America. Mm-hmm. So we get, uh, we're we're in kind of a temperate time zone. 
not time zone, uh, weather, whatever, weather zone. I don't know if that weather zone's a word, but we'll run with it. Um, yeah, we're in we're in temperate weather, mm-hmm. which means that like on any given day, it could be ninety five degrees here, or it could be um, you know a tornado or a rainstorm, or in the winter time it gets like really, 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 really cold. Um, like I don't know if it's colder than Alaska, but it's cold for me. Um, like negative temperatures. And then temperatures going uh, above 100 degrees, all, all Fahrenheit, but um, it's rough. Uh, so and, and as far as snow, I, I do enjoy the snow. I enjoy cold weather more than hot weather because, like, I'm a kind of a fat guy. So, like, I don't like to, I don't like to, like, bask. Like, I, don't, I, don't like to, I don't like to sweat. I'd rather mm-hmm. not sweat than sweat. But as far as, like, actually being able to relax, being a day in the snow sounds like a whole lot of work. Mm-hmm. it sounds like a whole lot of like preparation and like things I'm gonna have to do. Um, when, when you're spending a day in the snow, laying there in the snow all day, you're just going to die. Uh, <laughs> whereas if you're on the beach, you can lay there on the beach all day and all the worst things can happen is you're going to sweat. Mm-hmm. So beach, beach, hundred percent. I, uh, I've listened to plenty of your episodes. I knew this question was coming and I knew <laughs> I had to really try to come up with a good answer for it. <laughs> I love it. Um, what about a cat or a dog? Oh, cat, 100%. Have you got cats? I used to have cats, so I grew up with cats. Uh, I had three cats. My wife's actually allergic to cats, so we don't have any cats, but um, I love cats. Uh, cats cats know when to leave me alone. Hmm. Um, cats are antisocial. Cats are way more metal than dogs. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, <laughs> uh, do- dogs are happy, go lucky. You know, dogs listen to like pop punk or like, or like uh, New Fan Glory. Core. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, cats, cats listen to like like mayhem and and Burzum and, and Dark Throne and stuff. You know, they're cat cats are cats are super cult and they're 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 uh, they're all about like factions and they leave you alone. Sometimes they don't want to have anything to do with you, and I appreciate that. Whereas dogs, they just need constant attention. Cats are more or less self sufficient. Mm-hmm. As long as you put food out every day, the, you and the cat are cool. Mm. It's fine. Yeah, look, having three dogs, I understand the the dog thing is insane. Like we got one dog yeah. that, yeah, she follows you everywhere. She cries if you're not in the room. Yeah, it's insane. Um, but dogs are sweet too, though. They are. They're, I mean, they're, ama- they're 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 adorable. I love dogs, but I would if I had to pick, I would have cats. Um, Terminator or Predator? was anticipating this one um i think this one might have just broken you here's the thing i love terminators because time travel Mm -hmm. i'm obsessed with time travel movies Mm -hmm. but now i'm trying to decide who went into fights like right now i've got a predator fighting a terminator in my brain (laughs) And it's amazing if you could see what I'm seeing right, like <laughs> mentally right now. Um, it, it's incredible, but <laughs> you you would go and see that movie in the theater. Um, uh, I'm gonna go with Terminator. Nice, because a Predator. I don't even. I love Predator. I, I love the. I love the original Predator. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, 
it's weird that they both have Arnold Schwarzenegger in them. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, I think that a Terminator is still more logical than a Predator mm-hmm. and therefore has the upper hand. A Predator is almost machine-like, but a, but a Terminator is a machine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to make the best decision in, in, in every circumstance. So I'm going to go with Terminator. Fuck yeah. Um, Rambo or Rocky? Stallone or Stallone? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Rambo. Nice. Yes. Rocky cries too much. Rambo. Rambo. It's all about that blood. Yeah. Look, the only thing I'll give to Rambo is uh, Rocky. Sorry, is um, montages. You know, without I think without that we wouldn't have had a lot of montages we have today. Um, amazing montages. I agree. I agree. Um, but at the same time. I mean, if you've watched some of the new Rambo movies, they're ridiculous. They're they're the goriest movie. They're the most brutal movies. I don't care what Cannibal Corpse's new albums are about. Okay, it, it's Rambo. Mm. Write an album about about Rambo. Trust me. Yeah, you, you, you'll you'll sell billions. Yeah, it definitely those. Uh, not the la- uh, the last two. Uh, the only problem with the last one, the most recent one, was it was too much like Taken. It was still really violent. Like, don't get me wrong, still really fucking violent. But it felt like obsessively taken. violent. Yeah, yeah. But it was just Taken, basically, with Stallone, um, which was a bit weird. But it is what it is. Um, yeah. Star Wars or Star Trek? Um, Star Wars. Nice. Uh, I grew up with Star Wars. I, you know, it just is what it is. I know there's like a lot of weird stuff about like oh Star Wars blah blah blah. I just I like Star Wars. <laughs> Star Trek's Star Trek's too smart for me. What about um, South Park or Simpsons? South Park, a hundred percent. Simpsons are great, but they're like my dad's show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and my kids are going to be all like South Park's great, but it's my dad's show. Uh, but like it, it really uh, South Park. I I respect how they will just go anywhere, mm-hmm. and they will just go after anyone, and I love that. I, I it's it's free equal opportunity criticism of whatever they want, and I I respect that. Fuck yes. Um, Anchorman or Step Brothers? Oh, probably Anchorman. Yeah. Anchorman's got more one-liners. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's, I, I laughed a lot harder watching Anchorman than I did Step Brothers. Not that I didn't laugh. And yeah, you, you know what I mean, man? It's like, you're like, next you're going to be all like, all right, so which one of your kids? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's, that's what these, that's what this segment is. Pick one of your kids. It gets like that coming up because now we're in the music section. And this oh God. is when it gets like that. So we've got Slayer uh, or Pantera. I mean, you're gonna ask me that question. You know what the answer to that question is. Slayer. It's gonna be. It's gonna. It's gonna be Slayer. Yeah. yeah. Um. The next one it should be a simple one. If anyone's been paying attention to what Dan was saying about discography discussion, it is Metallica or Megadeth. That's a hard one. Um, I'm gonna go with Megadeth. Really? Uh, just because? Uh, yeah. Just because. Um, I like Megadeth's riffs better. Megadeth, Megadeth has let me down as a fan less times than Metallica has. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, please take note. This is only the second time that someone has picked Mr. Mustaine. Wow. Really? Yeah, I'm not even fucking kidding. Who was the first one? 
trying to remember. I'm gonna have to go back, but yeah, it was it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a long time. Everyone seems to go Metallica, so I love it. It's refreshing. It's different. Megadeth's more thrash metal. I don't know. It's hard to put my finger on. I still love Metallica. I mean, don't don't misunderstand. But if I had to, <laughs> if somebody was like, "Hey, this band's gonna come play in your living room right now," Metallica or Megadeth, I'm gonna go Megadeth. Well, you know. didn't they? Didn't Megadeth offer a VIP package where you could go and camp on Dave Mustaine's front lawn or something, or in his backyard? It was just recently. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, last year or the year before. Wow. Yeah. Love to meet someone that actually paid that money. Um, get in touch. Send me a fucking email. Love to know what that was like. Um, Send me a check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> since since money means nothing to you. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. Fund fund the show for a few weeks. Like. <laughs> No doubt. I'll, I'll yeah. I'll, I'll do an ad for anything you want. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Um, terror or Madball? Terror. Fuck yeah. Yeah, dude. Terror. I mean, th- that's not even a question. I'm sorry. Like, uh, terror is is is, in my opinion, probably one of the greatest hardcore bands to ever exist. And and I yeah. I I mean, I like I like again. I like Madball, but like. Uh, but terrors just they, they got the edge for me yeah look i mean i i can't pick either um i've got my terror i've got every single vinyl made by terror right next to me right now and i've got five terror tattoos so i think it's safe to say that terror's my pick um so i love yeah, that I think one you're, yeah just <laughs> I'm, I'm into i'm into a little bit of their music um cannibal corpse or black dahlia murder cannibal corpse 100 percent. fuck yeah fuck yeah yeah, I don't even have to explain that one. You no. can go listen to my Cannibal Corpse episode mm-hmm. or my De Black Dahlia Murder episode. It's pick your pick your poison. <laughs> well played. Yeah. Um, Throwdown or Hate Breed? Hate Breed. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I love Hate Breed, man. Um, I I. It's weird too because when we did a Hate Breed episode, I was like, "Oh my god, everybody's gonna find out how much I love Hate Breed." <laughs> um, but I do, man. Um, I don't care. I don't care how popular Justice Show is. I don't care about any of that stuff, the Headbangers Ball stuff. Whenever it comes to brass tacks, um, Hate Breed is probably the most honest hardcore band I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Like you know, when I was talking earlier in this episode about how like this person felt something and they meant what they were saying. Hate breed is the 100% embodiment of that. Fuck yeah. Amen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Marilyn Manson or Rob zombie. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with zombie on this one. Okay. Um, just because Marilyn Manson, um, he's trying too hard. Mm, it's, and it's got Marilyn Manson's always tried too hard to be controversial to be this or be that i'm not even going to talk about all the allegations all of that i'm just talking purely from a musical standpoint i feel like marilyn manson was always trying to piss people off in a very obvious way whereas rob zombie is also a shock rocker but rob zombie watches cool movies and mm. writes songs about cool movies and, and and directs cool movies and you know what i mean like Rob Zombie's the real package. He's a geek, just like the rest of us, mm-hmm. and uh, and I feel I feel some kinship there. Whereas Marilyn Manson, I, I don't feel that. Yeah. Um, War of Ages or Demon Hunter? <laughs> oh my God! Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's rough. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm gonna have to go war. I'm gonna have to go War of Ages. Okay. Um, not not because I look, man. I've I've talked to Ryan Clark. Um, Ryan Clark sent me a amazing care package uh, just last year with uh, a bunch of uh, knives stuff. Have you heard of his project Knives? No. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's an electronic uh, thing with Randy Torres of. Uh, who used to be a Project 86. Oh, yes, yes. They did one album. Or did they do two? Yeah. I know they have one album in particular. One album. One yeah. album. Um, yeah. I've got it here, actually. It's got the, like, it's black with a white-looking logo on it, isn't it? Yeah. Like lines or something? Actually, actually, I can't find it. I'll send you pictures of it later. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and it's, it's incredible. Uh, so like I love Ryan Clark, I love his band uh, Training for Utopia, mm-hmm. and I, I don't I don't hate Demon Hunter, despite what people might think <laughs> from the episode. Um, but War of Ages just has better riffs, man. They're they're riff salad, riff soup, whatever you want to call them. Uh, whenever War of Ages has that album, um, I don't remember even remember what album it is, but he starts it off. He's like all consuming fire. Bird. Like, I mean, that's just <laughs> Demon Hunter doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. Demon Hunter needs that. Well, I mean, so, look, War of Ages. I have tried to get Leroy from War of Ages on for three years, and I was very, Same. very, cl- very close to getting Ryan on last year or this year when they did that new kind of acoustic thing. Um, yeah. But that fell through. So if either of you people are listening, come on the fucking shows. Give Dan and I no a doubt. bit of some of your time. Um, it'd be worthwhile. Um, right. So, back when you played, did you prefer stage dives or mic grabs happening? Which one did I prefer? Mm-hmm. Or which one did you want to happen? Yeah. Mic grabs. Um, like I said, I've always been a little bit of a larger individual, so like stage diving always seemed off limits for me. You know, I don't want to kill my fans. No. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, uh, yeah, mic grabs I like a lot. I really, really like mic grabs. Um, there's a there's a picture I always put on Facebook every now and again of an end of Destiny show where there's like, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm basically it looks like I am actually staved. I'm like covered in fans and and all these dudes screaming into the microphone. And that was just my favorite thing, was dudes screaming my words back at me in the microphone, you know, and being able to take a little bit of a breather, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, let them have it. You know, they know the song. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Mike grabs 100%. Um, you're going to go to a show. Do you want to watch it from the pit or up the back by the sound desk? Um, from the pit. Wow, okay. Uh, not not, not in the pit. I don't I don't really mosh pit anymore, but um, I like being front and center. Um, when Zayo came... Uh, in 2019, uh, to my hometown, uh, my friends actually all uh, created a barrier between me and the pit, <laughs> so that I could just stand there and and watch the show. I love that. Um, and it was, and I, so I got the full experience, like 100. Um, percent Even though the band was like, "You can watch the show side stage, Dan. Like you've given us so much advertising <laughs> over the years. Like it's totally fine. Like we're we're good with that." I was like, "No, no, 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 no. I want to be in the front pit. and center." <laughs> Yeah, I want the I want the whole experience, uh, because man, when Zayo plays, when they play Five Year Winter and that Burnathon and Walk Away breakdown comes in, 
I mean, you, you want to be, you want to be right there. You want to be in the center. You're going to get covered in people. It's another grab the mic moment. It's, it's incredible. Fuck yes. Now, last one is the only triple one. And this one is, I'm going to give you your all-time favorite album. It can be whatever you want it to be, or it can be your current favorite album. But however I give it to you, Dan, is the only way that you can listen to it. So would you like it on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? What if I have all three? Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to have, so my favorite album right now, God, I hate to be so generic. All my, all my answers are so damn predictable. Uh, but it's, I mean, obviously it's the Crimson Cord by Zayo, right? Like what mm-hmm, else could, it, mm-hmm. what else could it be? Mm-hmm. Um, I have it on all three formats. I have it on, I have it on, uh, on CD. I have it on vinyl. I have it on my phone mm-hmm. as well as I have it on cassette. Uh, oof. uh but it, it, as far as like i can only listen to it from now on uh your your way i'm gonna go cd i think nice okay nice. yeah cd uh i've had kind of a i've kind of fallen a little bit out of love with vinyl uh at, recently um just because a cd is just so rock solid the cd is always there it's in your car it's ready to go mm-hmm. you know it's 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 just it's the best and if you and if you want it on your phone you can put the CD in your computer and you can rip it at you know, whatever True. quality you want. You can put it on your phone. So I think the CD overall is the all around champion as far as, uh, as far as formats go. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Now, Dan, first thing I'm going to say, I fucking love you and a lot of love, a lot of respect and a lot of appreciation for you giving me your time, your energy, your effort and your story on my show i really 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 appreciate you um yeah just can't stop singing your praises um can't stop loving everything you do and an absolute honor and a privilege to have you grace my show and have you tell your story um and it was exciting and it was in depth and it achieved everything i hoped and wanted Jeremy, thank you, man, and and all all of the same sentiments to you. I think you're an incredible podcaster. You're a great interviewer. Um, you ask people, dude. There's times I'm listening to your show, and I'm like, God, I wish I'd have thought to ask that, <laughs> or I wish I would have thought, to, I wish I had put more thought into it, or I'd done more research, or I I had done something, you know. Um, and 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 you're 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 always so professional. You're on top of it, and you create a very very relaxing environment. Uh, whatever you're talking to people, man, you like your, your shows are interesting. They, they get, they get under the skin. They, they, they're not, they're not surface level interviews. You don't have people on your podcast where you're like, yeah. So tell me about the new record mm, mm, mm. or tell me about the da 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 da. You know, you, you get into the deep stuff. You're like, dude, when did music become a thing for you? Mm-hmm. Like a real thing. Not, not just something that you hear on the radio. When did it become a real thing? That that's, what I what I like about your show is that whenever I listen to it, I feel that same passion for music. Because when you're asking questions, you're not just asking like interview questions. You're asking because you actually care mm-hmm. and you actually want to hear what that person is, you know, and 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 you relate that back to your own life experiences. And it's 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 awesome, man. You've got you've got a great thing going here. And um, I promise, like, I'm not just going to do my outro or whatever, just to, like, just, just so we could just jerk each other off. But, like, <laughs> I mean, I think that, like, 
but I'm no, you, you do great work here, man. And I, I've got nothing but respect and I, and I love it. And, um, and I learn from it and, and I rip it off sometimes, you know, like oh, it's, take it just it all is, we all rip each other off. Right. Like that's how it works. Yeah. Look, and the kind words, like, as you know, in this, in this game, you can feel pretty isolated and thankless and just look as someone that I look up to and love everything you do, just hearing any, even one of those sentences that you put in there means a lot. Like it's yeah. Invaluable to me. Um, also knowing that, you know, I was so shy to uh, reach out to you for so long and now I have mate. Oh, you should not have been, you should not have been shy. You, you're, you're stuck with me now in your inbox whenever I'm fucking feel like talking to you. And, um, it's, you're always welcome to shoot me a message. And, um, look, I, I like that we are creating a sense of friendship and community and look i will be respectful to and honest to say i can say you are becoming a friend and i'm honored to say that you are becoming a friend so thank you for being you thank you man thank you this is this was great and uh you know don't don't uh don't think these are the only times we're ever going to be on each other's podcast there's lots of bands that i'm i'm going to be i'm going to be happy to throw out and be like come on Let's go talk about it. Oh, you know? look, same. And look, let's I was go, let's go do the damn thing. Let's do it. You know, look, I love you, mate, and um, I appreciate you. Um, you have a great night, and yeah, don't be a stranger. Yeah, for sure, man. This is not a uh, this is not the last thing we're gonna do together. So I appreciate you. I love you, and I think we're gonna. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Oh fuck yeah, brother! All right, you have a good night. All right, you too. All See right. ya. Bye. Ray one die When the aftermath fell on me As I was rushed I started a distance I didn't do a thing Run test of it Till the fact that I was Never been the soul Screaming With self-inflicted agony
although his was taken in youth, my father still gave me the world, a testimony of the man that you could have been. So that was my chat with Dan of End of Destiny and also of Discography Discussion. And at the end there, the first track you heard was from End of Destiny, titled The Day the World Fell Down. Second track was titled Son of Deception. Third track was titled New Hampshire. All three of those tracks you can find on the band's album, The Thoughtless Existence. Now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the guest that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed that music or you enjoyed that conversation, now's your chance. Get online. Stream that End of Destiny album. The other thing you can do this week is get into discography discussion. So if you haven't already, make sure you like, subscribe and follow discography discussion on its social medias and wherever you're listening to this podcast. You will not be disappointed and you may actually also find someone, aka me, one of the most recent guests. So make sure you take time this week, deep dive into the music, deep dive into that podcast, and support Dan with everything he does. Now, before I forget, I need to thank Dan again. Thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. We're definitely doing more shit soon. So listeners, stay tuned. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 169 done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.